Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Brock Edwards, and this show is all about getting unstuck, getting out of your own way, taking action, moving forward, and building momentum as you go. Now, whether you're running your own business or you're starting a side hustle or you're just taking on a very important project in your life, this is the show for you. This is a show where we talk to regular people who are up to extraordinary things and find out how do they do it? Because that's what I take inspiration from when I see people just like me and I think, man, if they can do it, I can do it too. So listen in, join in the journey, and let me know, how are you moving forward? What actions are you going to take right now today? Welcome to Imperfect Action with uh, Brock Edwards. Uh, That's me. I'm Brock. And today we have Jody Womack. And Jody, uh, why don't you just jump right in, introduce yourself. Tell us, what do you spend your days doing? Hey, Brock, thanks for having me. Oh, what do I do in my, my days? I write and talk and type. I feel like those are my three big actions. Uh, I wrote a book with my husband and launched a coaching program that's online. And it's the greatest gig in the world, I think, because I get to talk to people and help out. The program's called Get Momentum. And I love how it fits in with your imperfect action because I think people get stuck and they don't have momentum because they they want something to be perfect before they even begin. Yeah, so well, all right, so let's just jump in kind of right around there. So you write, you talk, you type, you do it with your husband. I've got a million questions right in there, but <laughs> did you always write and talk and type or what got you to here? You know, it's so funny. I want to find the report card at my parents' house, but I remember teachers saying if Jody would ever stop talking to her neighbors, she could get her own work done. And it's too bad that teachers aren't taught a little psychology and therapy uh, along their practice of, of skills because I think that was so insightful that if I ever stopped talking, I would do something else, but I would probably start talking to somebody else. And so I think since I was a little kid, I've asked people, hey, what's going on? What's wrong? What do you need help with? And who do you think we could get to help you? And what do you think your next step is? And hey, I know somebody, let's connect you with this person. And so I've always been a connector and a talker. And I've finally used, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, (laughs) figured out how to use that superpower to my advantage and not beat myself up over it. And, and I think that's so important to, for people to learn what they're natural at that maybe they've gotten criticized for all along the way, especially in school when you don't quite fit into the right way and module that they have uh, to figure out like, oh, this is actually a great gift and a great skill to have. And how do we put it into the marketplace where other people can enjoy it? Wow. So, so much to, to jump into there, Jody. Um, I, and I want to talk more about, you know, the idea of getting momentum. Cause I agree. I think that's a great fit for, for the folks listening and this idea of being able to take maybe what, what could be uh, a handicap and really see that as a great strength and a great skill and then figure out how to use it. But, uh, first I want to ask, so were you always like, at some point, did you have a, a, a day job where you collected a paycheck and you made the transition over? Did you just leave school and start as an author and a speaker? What, how did that work out? 
I love this. I actually gave a talk when my husband was a high school teacher because at 35, I had had 35 jobs and everything from, it was not a straight line. And I wish they told kids and gave them support when they say, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's such a bad question because it's incomplete and it makes this assumption from our grandparents and great grandparents that you would do one thing with your life. We would have one career, one job, and that's just not the way we roll these days. I mean, you talk to anybody and they've had two or three different careers in different fields, or at least the folks I hang out with have been bookkeepers and and CPAs, and then they become massage therapists and yoga teachers, and then they become parents for years. And, you know, we have these different roles. So for me, I, yes, I was, I love I love books. So I was a librarian for a while and it let me help people find tools to help them in a kind of private introverted sort of way. Books, I think are great therapists and friends and, and leaders, you know, they, they can help shape us into the people we are. So that was really one of my favorite, favorite jobs ever. I was a librarian in elementary school. And then I started working at another consulting office after my husband and I moved to this town and Jason was on the road doing presentations and executive coaching, and I was running a consulting firm, being the head of operations and figuring out everything that needed to happen behind the scenes. And after about seven years of working for somebody else, Jason and I didn't really have anywhere to graduate to or get promoted to. And we said, what if we did this for ourselves? There's plenty of information that he could teach. He went from a teacher in a classroom for students to a teacher in a classroom in corporate and and adult education, basically. And uh, I knew how to do contracts and figure out how to make websites and and do customer service and, and outreach. And so we just started and we said, let's give it a year. Let's see if in one year we could support ourselves. And if not, we can go back and substitute teach or you can get your teaching job back. And so we had sort of a, a plan B and a little bit of a safety net in place, but we just hit the ground running. And that whole thing about people's greatest fears, public speaking, I think that is dead. I don't believe or relate to that anymore. I think people, there's so many people that want a stage and we see it on social media, right? Everybody's got YouTube videos and, and channels where they're, they're sharing their message. And I think it's a great skill to have, even, even for an introvert. And I am an introvert. I'll, I'll share that because so many folks say, oh, I could never do what you do. And I thought, I actually thought that same way myself for so many years until I had a message that I felt so strongly about where I wasn't teaching somebody else's material, but I I had uh, my own experience that I really felt so strongly about that I thought I could make an improvement in people's lives if they could hear me and and use my information for themselves. Yeah, so I I totally agree that you know public speaking is probably one of the most important career skills. Like if you're going to learn to do anything, go learn to do that. And, and I find it interesting that most of the people that I consider to be great speakers, that most of the people that I enjoy watching as speakers, uh, they're introverts. Yes. I know very few extroverts. Well, I, I, of those that that, that I, I really admire and follow, as I learn more about them, I discover that most of them are pretty introverted. Um, and, and I has that been your experience? What What is it about that? 
I think that extroverts are naturally drawn to a stage and it doesn't have to be a stage in front of an audience, but they're the ones that raise their hand in meetings. They're the ones that volunteer, you know, and ask a question in a big setting. They're, they're just naturally drawn to be the center of attention. And so for introverts, for me, it's like, I'm going to need to think about this before it comes out of my mouth. You know, I really don't want to make a fool myself or, or embarrass myself because I don't process verbally. I, I like to write. I like to think before I speak. And that's that's not a criticism of people who verbally process, but I think it's really important to know your own style so that you put yourself in the best setting. Uh, I used to host and MC the TEDx talk in our community. And I found that having a nice blend of the extrovert's and the introverts and and really just people's style are so different that everybody's going to relate to somebody else. My husband Jason, he wakes up literally in the morning. I tease him all the time. He wakes up in the morning looking for a mic. And it doesn't matter if he's at jury duty, he will set up a book talk. You know, you're sitting there for 8 hours. He said they're they're a captive audience. <laughs> you know, and so some people are just why I can't even make that up. It's true. Some people are just wired to to be on center stage and to talk to people, and others of us uh, find that calling or find that need in the time of life where what it is we have is so important that we can't keep it to ourselves. So there's no wrong way of doing it. Uh, just limiting ourselves because we think we're a certain way is the only wrong way wrong way to do it. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about maybe extroverts, you know, don't need a stage because they're already seeking them out. You know, they, they, they already have that. And I know from, from my own experience, I'm, I'm very introverted and I like public speaking because I can control the conversation. I know what I'm going to say. I know how this is going to play out. And it, that just feeds to, to my strength. Whereas you put me in a, a conversation, a more casual one, and I'm always kind of wondering, well, where's this going? How's this going to be? Yeah. Um, well, so it sounds like, I mean, you didn't do like, hey, we're going to do this as a side hustle for a while and see how it goes. You just said, hey, we're going to give it a year. On this day, we stop doing it for other people and we start doing it for ourselves. And and I really appreciate the behind the scenes of sharing, you know, how we left comfortable day jobs that were killing us slowly, but there was a paycheck, there was uh, health insurance, there was a 401k plan. You know, we left some pretty significant, uh, I don't know what you call those, you know, standards in life that people love to have. Uh, but what we did was we created a uh, backup, oh my gosh, fund that we had four months of mortgage and living expenses before we quit and before we left. And we cut back. We are super lean and always have been. And we don't do the fancy office and desk. And when we started our company, we bought, I bought two Apple laptops because I saw how much money went to the IT guys in always constantly backing up and fixing things. And I thought, okay, the upfront investment will help us along the way. And you know, so we planned out. We didn't want to uh, put ourselves or our home in jeopardy in starting something new because you don't know. Everybody says it's a great idea when they're encouraging you, but until you get a signed contract and a check in hand, 
it, it can be a little rough. It's a little scary. So building up the, the, oh my gosh, fund just in case, you know, deciding if it's four, six, 12 months that you need, and then, um, building up the, the company side. And the biggest lesson I've had is somebody's got to sell something. And sales is the piece that most people like least doing the work. You know, as an employee, you're, you're doing the work. As a business owner, solopreneur, you're doing all of the work. So if the website goes down, if the credit card processor, you know, somebody's credit card is expired, you need you know, to follow up on that and workbooks and everything in between. Uh, it's a lot. So I don't know if anybody can really prepare themselves for that leap. And I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't know how hard it was going to be because I don't know if I had done it, but I, I literally, I was in a job that was killing me and, and I was in depression and it was just bad. And, um, I needed to get away from some toxic people. So this was big for me and it was enough motivation to, to take that leap. That was big and unknown. Yeah. You, you hit on something that I, I've never heard anyone really mention before. You know, a lot of times you hear people talk about, you know, don't tell your friends your dreams because they'll, they'll just they're, be dream killers. You know, they say, Oh, don't do that for <laughs> you to do that. Why would you do that? But what never gets mentioned is the flip side. Like unless your friends are, are entrepreneurs and on their own, they don't know, and they're probably going to tell you, if, if they don't outright say, hey, this is a bad idea, you're being an idiot, they're probably going to say, yeah, that's a great idea. You should go do that. That sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would totally buy that. It's like, would would you buy this product consistently at this price that makes me, allow me to pay my mortgage? Uh, yeah. I, I actually have three kinds of influencers, friends that I like. Uh, and the one you're describing is, is the realist. You know, a lot of folks that just sometimes I call them joy squashers, but you know, they, they see the problems, they see the holes, they see all the reasons why this won't work. And they're actually very valuable to have. And, and you don't want to get rid of them, but you want to be strategic of when you go to them. And so the first buddy that I always go to is a visionary. And that's someone who can listen and say, this is amazing. And, you know, add a zero to that price. And, you know, I see this 10x bigger and this is going to be huge and global. And, and they, they fill it up with the vision of what could be. And, and that's not my gift. So I love hanging with people who are genuine, not just blowing smoke up your, yeah, but but people who really see the size and scale of what could be. Uh, and the second buddy is an accountability buddy. So they don't have an opinion one way or another, but they say, well, when are you going to have that done by? And, and when will you have a rough draft by? And, oh, do you want me to call you next month and see how far you are on that? And those are great friends to have because – when you have your own side hustle, your own side project, and nobody in the world is expecting it, it takes longer than it should take because nobody's pushing you. Mm. And in my experience, everything in the world comes up to keep you from doing your side project or your next big thing, your your book, your your product that you're going to make and sell on site. Like there's so much that can get in the way. So having a buddy say, okay, once a week, text me where you are and how many pages you've written. That is really powerful because it grounds it and it makes it real. And just out of your own integrity, you won't let your buddy down. You don't want to look bad, right? And so having someone that's 
that helps keep you accountable can be so, so helpful in moving forward. And I love that word momentum because it doesn't mean you're done, but things are moving in a positive direction. Mm. And then that third buddy, the realist, the vampire, energy suck, joy sucker, whatever you want to call them. Uh, those are great people to go to before you go to market, before you go to a publisher, before you go to the person who's going to judge this, they're going to buy it or not buy it, uh, because they'll help you find all the holes. And for me, I want to find the holes, the typos, the yeah, buts, and do another layer of thinking to really improve my my argument, my my presentation, my my offering, so that it is the best possible product it can be. And having someone kind of poke holes in it on the front side is much better than having a customer say, oh, I like this. Yeah, but this is why it wouldn't work for us. So those are my three people, the the visionary, the accountability buddy, and then we'll call them realists just to be nice to them because you got to have them. Oh, that- <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I love the way you, you've broken that down and are able to, you know, when we talk about using using strengths, I mean, that is bringing the best out in them. You know, you, you don't want your realist to be your visionary. You, you don't want them to set the guiding path um, and you don't want your visionaries to tell you the straight truth. Exactly. You got to know who your folks are, who your friends and your supporters are and the best use of them. Uh, one of the things I've gotten much better at for my own uh, benefit is asking people for the kind of feedback I'd like. Uh, some of my friends, when I, when I write things, they find every comma, every spelling mistake, every grammar boo-boo. And you know what? Fabulous. I love that. That's a great skill to have, but not on the front end. That's, that's the last piece that, that is the sweep cleanup person. Uh, and then some people I'll say, you know, what do you think of this as a concept? And those are the people, the visionary people where they, they can look at the big picture and they're not going to find the typos and the spelling. That's not what I want them for. And it really helps streamline my experience and my expectation because the hardest part, like you were saying, is when you give something to someone and they give you feedback like, oh, you spelled 10 words wrong. Like, well, what do you think of it as a concept? You know, does this have legs? Would you read this in a magazine? Is this a kind, you know, is this read worthy? Yeah, definitely. And that that helps us build on who we are and where we are. I mean, so I know people who are very visionary and their attention to detail is so poor that no matter how good the idea is, it just (laughs) crashes and burns uh, because customers aren't going to say, hey, there's an error here. They're just not going to shop with you. You know, they're just exactly. going to fade, fade away. You will never get great. You will get some feedback from customers. You will not get all feedback from customers. And, and you know, on the flip side, I, I think, you know, name of this podcast is imperfect action because I think the realists can get so bogged down in all the ways it could fail that they never take that first step. Right. And, and just to be, you know, self-disclosing again, we have this membership program called Get Momentum. And one of our members, she is not being tapped in her day job as the incredible editor that she is. And she finds typos on our website or on my materials. And at first I used to see her inbox, her name pop up in my email inbox. And I'd kind of like, Oh, what did I do wrong now? And then I learned to flip it. It's like, 
this would cost me a fortune to have someone read every single word of every single thing I put out there. And so I actually started sending her gift cards as thank yous for finding my errors because I realized it makes me better. And we're now actually very close friends because I embraced that skill of hers. And and you know it's a skill when you can't turn it off. Like you can't help yourself. And there are times like when I'm I'm in a coffee shop and I see a, a mom struggling with a stroller and a baby in the arm and this and that and trying to hold the coffee. It's like, I can't help but get up and open the door or help them through whatever they're doing. Like Jason will say, what, why don't you leave that poor woman alone? It's like, I can't help myself. I have to do it because I am so uncomfortable. And there are people out there that feel that way when they're reading a website and they find an error, they find a typo, they find an apostrophe that's in the wrong place. And God bless them. Let's encourage that and embrace it and uh, learn how to use those people for their, the value that they have to contribute to us. Oh, I love the idea of sending them a gift card. That is that is fabulous. <laughs> it was shocking. She was so surprised. She goes, I've never had anybody thank me for one of my emails because they're rough, right? Like nobody wants to say how many times they, they blew it. But yeah, I, I think it's a great gift. Well, well, let's talk about momentum a little bit. So, you know, I, I think of momentum and, and by the way, I, I love... I just love the idea of momentum. And in fact, even debated naming the show something to do with momentum, because I think about it like, um, you know, um, the guy who did good to great talk about the flywheel effect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anytime you pushed your kids on a merry-go-round, you know, starting off is slow. It's hard. But once you get it up to speed, as long as you just keep putting a little bit of effort into it, it keeps spinning. And so, and I hope I didn't, take too much away there, but I think that's really important when we talk about, okay, getting started, taking that imperfect action, that first step. And the first step is very important, but so, so are steps two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, it, you got to keep going. Yeah. And our, our mutual friend, Dan Waldschmidt, he talks about momentum as being a key performance indicator. Like if you're going to measure anything in business, measure momentum, figure, figure that out. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and say, okay, so from your perspective, how do people build momentum? And the first question I always ask, and it's the first question in our book, which is also called Get Momentum, uh, the question is, what do you want to be known for? And in the past, that always uh, debilitized me. It was just such a big question. It was that legacy. You know, I, I put it into my brain, like, what do you, why are you here on the planet? And that that was too hard because that, again, goes that visionary uh, skill set. And that, that's not good for me. So what we help people with is what do you want to be known for? And then pick a role at home, at work, in the community, in the side hustle thing you got going on. So what's your role at work? What's your, not just your position, but you're a manager of people, you're a creator of ideas, you're, you're this or that. Uh, at home, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm an aunt. All of those take on different responsibilities. That sort of thing. So first I encourage people, make a list of all the roles that you see yourself in in life. And then pick a time zone. So for me, long-term thinking is usually three to six months, right? After six months, I have no idea what's going to happen. But for three months, I, I can commit to, okay, this is what I'm working on. This is where my mindset is. This is really where I need to be putting all my attention. And then combine the two lists. So for example, 
just to get personal, uh, my folks are aging and, and there's a lot of health challenges and they live at home together and I'm about 100 miles away. So for me as a daughter, my role has shifted from 10 years ago where my folks were independent and easygoing and we met for lunch and we you know, had holidays and it was easy. Now I'm trying to figure out what kind of a dot, what does being a good daughter even mean anymore? And so for me, I want to be known as a great daughter who enjoys spending time with my folks. So it, I'm tracking doctor's appointments. I'm tracking meds. I'm helping with all of the logistics of life because that's becoming much more challenging for them. And I don't want the time we have together to be spent arguing about logistics and tactics and, you know, who, where are you getting your vitamins and why haven't you renewed your meds and, you know, all that busyness and, and logistics of life. I want to be able to sit with them and, and hold my mom's hand and, you know, go for little walks and be present with them. And so what do I want to be known for really helped me figure out what my jobs were and my tasks so that I could be more of the kind of person I want to be with them. Right. So, so yeah, I'm just processing a, a lot there. And so, so I've got, you know, what, what do you want to be known for in a specific role, whatever that role is? Yes. And then a time zone. So and after three, three to six months, I may have to have a different kind of role with them. I may have to do more research with my folks of, you know, getting more long-term care or assisted living. And, you know, I'm not there right now. And I, I think what happens for a lot of folks and for myself as well is we get overwhelmed with everything. You know, I, when my friends have babies, they, you know, and they start talking about, Oh, well, how much is college going to cost? Like you just had a baby. <laughs> yes. You need to be thinking about long-term savings, but right now let's just enjoy baby, right? Like the next three to six months are going to be very, very intense and you don't have to overwhelm yourself with college plans right? So in that same model, you don't have to know how everything works out with your side project, with your new business, with your new thing that you got going on. Really be present and go deep in where you are and give yourself these phases so that you can do them well and really, really, you know, marinate in it, I think is a nice word because, you won't know what's phase 10 of your project is. It's going to be very different than whatever project plan paperwork you may have envisioned for it. Yeah. I mean, to totally. I love the idea of three to six months. And, and I realize that the time may be different for different people, depending on mm -hmm. what the role is and what they're wanting to do. But for me, that's a, an amount of time that I can imagine. Yes. Like I can do hard work for three months. I could be, <laughs> say I'm going to be known for this in three months. This is how it's going to play out. Yeah. But, uh, but I think where people get where people like where I get overwhelmed, and I assume other people get overwhelmed there too, is you know kind of like your friends with a baby of like okay, so you know college in 18 years from now is going to be you know three hundred thousand dollars. I'm putting away well after we buy diapers. I can put about twenty <laughs> bucks away right now. <laughs> Uh, right. Why get started, you know? Yeah. And, and, but if we said, hey, you know, over the next three to six months, yes, we're going to enjoy the baby. And while we're doing that, we could probably put 
$800 away and just not think about it, not worry about the end result, but just know that we can do this now. Yeah. And you worrying about college in 20 years is, you know, we can laugh at it because it seems so absurd. You know, our call, our parents had no idea what the world would be like when we were little kids. Uh, they assumed it would be like theirs, but I don't know, maybe they thought we'd have flying cars by now, but you know, you can spend so much energy on things that are truly outside of your control. Uh, I, Jason, I tease that, you know, chaos is coming. So what's within our control that we can handle so that we're prepared for when change and good and bad change. You, people always say, oh, I love change. Like you love the kind of change you like. There's other kind of change that you don't like. And we just never know what's coming. Uh, in the book, Get Momentum, we talk about another uh, technique. And I, I just, I mention these because I want to be super practical, not just, oh, academic or theoretical, here's how you should think. But what is strategic thinking about your own life really look, sound and feel like? And we have this thing called the 30-30 rule, which is encouraging people to spend 30 minutes a day on something that isn't due for 30 days or more. Oh, nice. And we came up with this because things on our calendar kept surprising us. And, and we have a saying that things that we've already agreed to and put on our calendar shouldn't surprise us. So if we look out and just click the, your digital calendar out a month, and you spend 30 minutes reviewing what's coming up, you may be amazed at how much you can get done when, you're not, when things aren't always on fire and due at the last minute. I've found so much of my agreements, so many of my agreements can either get delegated to somebody else, renegotiated, meaning I get out of the things that I really don't want to do or go to, or I can start things and then they're not as big a burden as when they show up at the last minute. And, you know, a really easy way to, to start this is in your personal life. Just look out, look for birthdays, anniversaries, trips, family visits, kid vacations, kid projects, you know, whatever's on the daily basis in your personal life and, and start practicing there. Look out, you know, when's the next vacation season? When's the next uh, family visit season? What's coming up? And how do we start planning for travel expenses and airlines or, you know, getting the, the guest room ready for Nana and Pop-Pop or whatever that that is? Uh, giving yourself that gift of your own attention really helps alleviate the stress and overwhelm of always doing things that are due right now. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So you've given me a ton to think about today and I absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, I, you know, I, I love, there's so much here, but the, some of the things that stood out for me are, are like the three friends and getting them in the right role and, and capitalizing off of having the right people in the right role. Um, and then I, I, you know, kind of the, what do you want to be known for in which, whichever role is important to you and within a certain time frame, And then this 30, 30 idea, mm -hmm. um, all really good stuff. And I imagine we could actually talk for quite a while about how to build momentum and, and go much deeper. But so uh, we're, we're going to end it here, but I'm going to ask you two questions before we do. And, and the first is, so for other people who are really jazzed about these ideas, where can they find you? Where can they find your ideas? And then the second question for you, as you answer that is, where are you stuck? Where can people help you move forward? 
Like if you were to ask the internet world, the community, the audience uh, for help, how could they best help you? Sure. So the first one, uh, I can be found at getmomentum.com. All my contact information is there. Um, Jody at getmomentum.com, J-O-D-I. And uh, where I'm stuck, I would love more people to see our book, Get Momentum, and then leave a review on Amazon. That's my ask. Uh, and, and be honest, be truthful. Uh, I think folks find great resources and then don't share them enough. But uh, that really helps us as authors. And uh, it's also really good feedback to know what people found valuable or useful. Like that 30-30 rule I, I bring up because everybody who's read the book has said, that's something I can do right now. It doesn't cost me anything. And I can actually feel the difference. And I also say, if you if you need a little baby step, if 30 minutes seems outrageous and you couldn't find 30 minutes if you tried, do six minutes, right? While you're sitting waiting for your latte or while you're sitting waiting for that meeting that always starts late. You can, you can do this and make it work for you. And once you start it, you may be amazed. Let me know if it, if it amazes you where you see how much easier things can be when we start them a little bit sooner. Nice. Nice. Well, Jody, we are going to end it right there. And thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Brock, my pleasure. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrafit. Now, I tried Nutrafit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made Nutrafit different is one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, Nutrafit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that Nutrafit happens to be my personal favorite, and as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION, and that's written as one word, just take action. At checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on Nutrafit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So Nutrafit.net. And let me know what you think.